there, this is Andrew. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we rewatch very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and talk about what they have to teach us today. Ho, ho, holy shit. <laughs> we are watching the most ridiculous thing on the goddamn planet. For our very special... On this or any other planet. Oh my god. There's like three of them in this thing. And a meteor with a robot cloud in it. Guys! So this... Thank you very much for joining us for our very special Christmas episode of Hugging and Learning. We are going to be watching the He-Man, She-Ra, A Christmas Special. Yeah! This is a TV movie that debuted... December 25th, 1985, mm-hmm. and the writers are Don Heckman and Bob Forward, which I think are pretty cool He-Man names. <laughs> Don Heckman, Bob Forward. Bob Forward runs really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heckman is just like, I don't know, made of Gives flames up. or something. Oh, Heckman. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like the stoner He-Man? Yes. Um, you can watch this on YouTube, and we don't usually send people to YouTube to watch things. But it appears yeah. that this is a, the version at least that I watched that I'm going to link to, is like a he is like the He-Man channel. Yeah. I mean, there were 50 commercials in this 50-minute thing. It's been... Um, so they're making some sort of money off of it. So I don't feel yeah. bad about sending you there because it seems like the creators are making sure. some money. And honestly, this is just a big, long 43-minute commercial right. anyway. So. What you should watch before you watch the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas Uh-oh. special on Netflix, season one, episode three of The Toys That Made Us, yeah. which talks about how He-Man came in and then She-Ra came into being. And you will have so much more context for what you're about to watch if you know how the show came about That's very true before you watch it look we've got so much to go into here mm-hmm. but but we're gonna need uh, as much sugar as possible for that truly but luckily we've got just the snack yes uh this is a snack that came to us through the post office box my friend friend of the podcast claudia sent us a box of cereal which is called the golden girl's Funkos, or maybe it's by Funkos. I think it's by Funkos. Uh, it's a Golden Girls cereal. It's hard to say. It just says the Golden Girls, and then there's cereal. It also says tasty treat, fun to eat. So what it is is um, a box of blue Fruit Loops. Yeah, that's it. They're just like blue, like Fruit Loops that only come in blue, and there are little figurine looking cartoons of the golden the four actresses on the front of the box, and then you get a figurine inside. So this is. Perfect, because we're going to do an episode about a show that was created to sell action figures, and we get to unearth our own Golden Girls action figure from the bowels of this box of cereal. (laughs) Um, We don't know which one we got yet. We'll let you know after we dig it out with our grubby little paws. But first, let's eat. Let's eat a bowel of cereal. (laughs) Said the night wind to the little lamb, do you see what I see? Up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star. So. Okay, so. That's. I'm gonna start by saying, looking at the box, you would think this would be great for Chelsea and Andy. I almost wish we had eaten the box instead of what was inside it. It was like. The Simpsons did this thing. Where Bart eats a box of cereal called Krusty O's, and then the special hidden surprise 
is a jagged metal crusty O that's just mixed in with the cereal. And that's what I thought when I was eating these. <laughs> is it's just a bunch of jagged metal crusty O's. They're very, very, very hard. Yeah, it's really tough. And this is not expired. Like, it should have been good until May of next year, this box. Um, <laughs> the, okay, so the taste of them is like... It comes in waves. So the first half is as though you were eating blue gushers, but they were cereal. And then the yeah. sec- the back end is just like processed corn. It hurt to eat. <laughs> just I was compelled by the sugar to continue to eat, but I genuinely held my jaw from eating this thing. It cut the inside of my mouth all to ribbons. Yeah. And I'm slowly bleeding to death right now. So I yeah. guess... Maybe we can find a tiny bit of, of joy in all of this. Chelsea, will you please get the collectible action figure out of the Golden Girls yes, box? Yes, and we made a pack. It could be one of the four women. If it's Ma, then uh, Andy gets it. gets it. And if it's any of the other ladies, then Chelsea gets it. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's cute. I can't immediately. Oh, I think it's Rose. It's Rose. Hmm. Can this stand up? <laughs> no. Its head is so big. Its head big. is ten times larger than its body. It just rolls backwards. It's basically like a ball with <laughs> legs on it. Why are you the most disappointing snack on the planet? And also, the picture on the front of the box says not actual size, and it is exactly actual size. That's fucking weird. It's exactly the same size as the picture on the what box. What is going on? Are they blue because old ladies have blue hair, and that's like a joke? The ingredients say that it's blue number one. So they're like, I don't know, blue. And just whatever the most basic blue is. It should be like a very, like a beige or like a pastel pink. Something super Florida. I feel like we got these from a bizarro world. Yeah, Or thanks. from communist Russia. Well, I, again, thank you, Claudia. We love getting snacks in the mail. And this does have Chelsea and Andy written all over it. It does. And now it's written in blood. What is this figurine? <laughs> Mouth blood. All right. Well, on the what is this figurine note, let us proceed into <laughs> the, uh, the She-Ra, He-Man He-Man, She-Ra, a Christmas special. A Christmas special. Now, these were two separate shows, so I'm guessing even though they're the same universe, this is basically like a crossover. It's a crossover episode. Christmas episode. I, I, all right. Here's, let's start here. With the fact that I was not allowed to watch He-Man as a child. It was the hottest... Sorcery? Yes, because Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't like sorcery. And I believe our preacher said that there's even a lady in this whose name is Sorceress. Yeah, probably. And there is. It probably is Sorceress. Yeah. That's how they named them. Yeah, and just, you know, Skeleton... Or Sorcerina. There's Skeleton Man shooting people with a ram staff. I mean, it just... Yeah, it's just... It it wasn't a great idea. And this episode doesn't help at all. We'll get into the the upsetting (laughs) Jesus facts here in a second. I've done my best to put together who everyone is and what they're doing and why. But I guess my first question is, Chelsea, did you ever watch He-Man and or She-Ra? I did watch She-Ra as a kid and I had a She-Ra figurine and Mm. I had the horse and I... Swiftwind. Swiftwind. And I had the thing that looks like a koala with butterfly wings for ears. Yeah, just... It makes an appearance in this episode, but I don't know what its name is. It's the Etheria's version of Orko. Uh-huh. Okay, great. And I had 
a figure I thought was He-Man, and then wa- and I treated as though he were He-Man, and then watching this episode realized it was actually Bo. It's her boyfriend, Bo. Yeah. My sister, however, was able to watch She-Ra. I don't know, because, yeah. She could handle it. I, I suppose so. <laughs> Maybe it was just me. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with religion. <laughs> my parents were just like, you can't handle these shows, buddy. He's the biggest baby born on record. If he starts <laughs> to get ideas... We can't stop him. He'll murder us all. <laughs> I was born six foot three inches tall. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's uh, talk a little bit about this show. About the show and then the ordinary world. Let's right? talk about a God-blessed episode of television. <laughs> so, this is 1985. This is the penultimate year of the He-Man... Sh- we'll just call it the He-Man phenomenon yeah. for short. Back in 1980. Or 81. 81 or 82, I think, is um, when it started. The toy makers at Mattel had locked up the girl toy world with Barbie. They had locked up the toy car market with Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have anything. Boy action figures was a, a spot in their lineup that was lacking. They didn't have G.I. Joe. They had passed on Star Wars figurines a few years before, which turned out to be a huge mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And they were looking for something to slot in, to corner, to get some market share for, on boy figurines. And so they were tossing around ideas and they were doing focus groups with little kids, watching them play with figurines, figure out what they wanted. And the thing that they all say when you watch uh, the toys that made us on Netflix, all the toy creators are like, we watch these kids play and it became obvious they were sick of being bossed around by their moms and their teachers and they wanted power. They wanted to be in charge. Sure. They want, you know, they would play figurines and they would say, you have to do this because I have the power. Right. Um, so they wow. thought, okay, well, we want to make something that's powerful and, and that feels kind of like a barbarian is the, where they went with it. Kind of. It was uh, like Conan the Barbarian. Ripoff. Yeah. So they made this, this product. They made this G.I. Joe Joe with more muscles Mm -hmm. guy. And then they went to sell it to Child World, which was the number two toy store in the country. And Child World was like, well, Star Wars has movies. That's how kids know the story. How are kids going to know the story behind these action figures? And in that meeting, just totally on the seat of their pants, they were like, well, there'll be comic books. Then they had to go find some illustrators to write some comic books. And so then when they met a couple of weeks later, they met with... Toys R Us, which was the number one toy store in the country. Mm -hmm. And the execs at Toys R Us were like, well, but five and six year olds don't read. They don't read comic books. What are you, how are you going to get those kids to play with these toys? And in that meeting, they were like, did we not tell you about our TV specials? We're going to have two one hour TV specials. Remember when you could just uh, fall ass backwards into success <laughs> yeah. in America? Remember when you were a white man in the and 80s? Just, like, everything worked out yeah. great, as opposed to now where it just kind of works out okay. Right. So they go to Filmation, and they say, we need two one-hour TV specials for this world. And the guys at Filmation? Fun, fun, what is it? Filmation. Filmation? Say, well, you know, for the same price, we could do half-hour Saturday morning cartoons. And they're like, great, that sounds great, let's do that. So the show was created to sell toys. Every episode was a long commercial for the toys with a moral stuck on the end so parents wouldn't be like, this is just a long commercial for toys, why are our kids watching this? And then the shows became 
insanely popular. Yeah. I mean, they they went ballistic. These things outperformed every expectation anybody had. It was just an incredible blockbuster rise for five or six years. Every year, just making exponentially more money than they had the previous year. Sure. At some point, they realized 20% of the people playing with He-Man toys were girls. And they so they said, oh, we should have a girl spinoff line. And, and so they did. And so they did. So they created She-Ra, who is He-Man's sister and has similar powers and has lives on a different planet. So it's a whole different line of toys you can make yeah. for her. And so every once in a while, they team up, team up like they do for this Christmas special. But for the most part, they're totally separate stories. And... It's funny, as Miles pointed out when we were rewatching that episode of The Toys That Made Us, when they're talking to the men about how she, how He-Man came about, they're all like, well, it was so-and-so's idea, but I did the name. Well, but I did the model. But I did the drawing. Well, I came up with the phrase. Well, I came up with the name of the planet. And they're all fighting over who gets the credit for whatever. Yeah. And then they go to the She-Ra, because the, the She-Ra team was all female. It was on the other side of Mattel. Uh-huh. And all the women are like, well, we all thought it would be this, and then we thought we should do this, and then we we put this on her, and then we thought maybe she could act like this, and Miles was like, look at those women just giving each other credit yeah. <laughs> for what, truly, what they all did. Truly, that makes all the sense <laughs> in the world. Um, and then, of course, as nothing gold can stay, so 1986 was the height of He-Man's powers just a year after <laughs> this special, and 1987, it tanked. There were a number of reasons. Um, was one of them the movie? One of them was the movie. Oh, folks, I have seen this the live movie. live action movie. With Dolph Lundgren as yep. He-Man and Frank Langella mm-hmm. as fucking Skeletor. Nixon in Frost Nixon <laughs> is Skeletor. One of the reasons was the movie. Another reason was the He-Man side of things blamed and blame in the documentary She-Ra. Being like, once girls got into it, then boys didn't want to play with it anymore because they felt emasculated. Like, little tiny boys didn't want to play with it anymore. But also, it's what it actually seems to have been is there were so many toys. They were coming out with just every variation. I mean, there were dozens of different figurines you could get. And the stores couldn't keep the actual central characters in stock. They couldn't keep He-Man and She-Ra right. and the like the central people. Yeah, that makes sense. You go so to the store. So then kids would come in and be like, you want the one that has an octopus head? It's yeah. like, no, I, I want He-Man. I want the original guy. It's like, oh, but, that's back ordered for months. Yeah. You want octopus head, man? No? Okay, well, you're not going to start a collection then. Um, <laughs> we don't want your business then, five-year-old <laughs> child. So it just seemed like a weird thing where they really overextended the yeah. universe, and then they just did some poor supply and demand management. And I mean, that's on that's on display in the first moments of this episode. Mm-hmm. So we start out, yes, also, uh, as opposed to talking about the toys, we will also talk about the, the TV show. show. Uh, I feel like we did that in the right order and with the right... You, you have know. to kind of know all that going in to it's be like, very why true. was this made? Yeah. Oh, to sell toys. And that's kind of the way that that Isn't sort that of thing Isn't that the spirit of Christmas? It was definitely the spirit of Christmas in the 80s with like G.I. Joe. The, the cartoon was just to sell toys, mask, all of these ridiculous things that were just like, here's a cartoon for the toy. Yeah, it's go, buy, go buy a thing so you can do this at home. So we start out this Christmas special. We're panning over the skyline of Eternia mm-hmm. and it's snowing and there's really obnoxious oompa Christmas music yes. that I wish never happened ever. It's, First problem, how are we going to have a Christmas special on a planet where they don't celebrate Christmas? Don't worry about it. We're, we've got other things to celebrate. <laughs> we go into the Royal Palace of Eternia. Mm-hmm. Where King Randor yep. 
Uh, which I have a I've just learned a devastating fact about King Randall. <laughs> oh no! I'll tell you about it in a second. Okay. I'm uh, just I'm I'm bewildered. Uh, I studied Shakespeare in college, and, and this is <laughs> blowing it out of the water. King Randor and his queen Marlena Marlena are uh, getting together a party to celebrate He Man and She Ra's birthday because they are twins. Yes, and their birthday is like the day before Christmas or something. Uh, I guess. Remember, Shira doesn't live on Eternia; she lives on a different planet. But Etheria. She, Etheria. But she and many of her friends have come for this party. So I just want to clarify that's Etheria, not Diphtheria, which is a planet over and it is not a great it's, place to their be. Their economy is tanked. Don't um, in the shitter. So- High kicks, high kicks. I'm like rerun celebrating the Doobie Brothers. High kicks in my seat. So, uh, so Adora, which is Shira's, by the way, code name. Hey, fuck you, parents. <laughs> that is too much pressure to put on a baby. Right. You better be the most perfect girl in the world. She is. It's fine. What are we gonna name the boy? I don't. Know, Adam. Adam. There's no expectations. Like the first there. name. Sure. So Adora has brought a bunch of fairies to decorate, and witches are sweeping with sentient brooms. Mm. Very few women are wearing pants. Yeah. The names of Adora's friends who have come to town. Just a f- couple of them. Yep. If, uh, Flutterina. Yep. Perfuma. Yep. Peekaboo. Yeah. This is the thing. Is they make a special. This is this is the first scene is to point out all of the wonderful figures mm-hmm. that you can buy. I'm sorry. I mean all of the wonderful characters that you should know. That you Flutterina should know. flies. Perfuma makes things smell good. Peekaboo sees the future. Peekaboo should be a lot more powerful than she yeah, is. Yeah. Also, in this might universe. want to be a little yellow thing with lightning powers. <laughs> Pikachu. Different figurine from a oh, different universe. You could buy them both. Uh, Perfuma, if I remember correctly from the commercials, which was all I was allowed to watch of <laughs> Eman Saga. Perfuma, I believe, had a scent about her. The figurine did. That makes sense. I had a strawberry shortcake figurine that smelled. Yeah. They, that was, the, they were big enough to make stuff smell. Short, shortcake ones mm-hmm. smelled. Miles, our, our, our submarine captain and sound producer, Miles, has handed us a note. There are over 125 He-Man characters. Yes, collect them all. And I mean, just look, we are introducing Flutterina and Perfuma. Uh, of course, the ones we know. Per, uh, Pika Blue. But... <laughs> We were panning from one end of the room to the other, and it might as well be that shot in The Simpsons where it's like, here's all the characters, yeah. because there's Moss Man the, as the background. The Isle of a Toys R Us. We're just panning <laughs> down is. the Isle of a Toys R Us. I'm surprised this this isn't just a big room of shelves where everybody's <laughs> just standing stock still next to a bunch of accessories. Right. Um, uh, Queen Marlena yeah. reveals that this reminds her, this decorating for the twins' birthday party, reminds her of how they used to get ready for a very special Earth holiday called Christmas. And that's when I was like... She's from Earth? She's from Earth? Yeah, what happened there? So the twins are half-Earthling? Yeah. But how did she get here? How did she get here? How did they get their powers? I assumed everyone was just magical in this universe, but if they're half Earthling, they should be weaker than everyone else. Not more power, not the most powerful twins on. I don't know if it diminishes your planets. power. Isn't being an Earthling a certain sort of power, Chelsea? No, not in this universe. Here's what else is wrong here: is that the not animation... judging how useless the two Earthlings that show up are. <laughs> They're in the cold for twenty seconds, and one of them almost dies. I lived in Chicago, where my eyes froze shut one time. 
I ain't complained to some skeleton man about a coat. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. This um, is, yeah. By the way, strap in, people. This episode's nonsense. Here's the other thing we need to know. King note. Randall reveals he has no idea what, what Christmas is. They never talked about so it. So he's not from Earth. Hey, what's, uh, hey, honey, can I tell you a little bit about Earth? No. <laughs> it turned hey, me out I only. thought uh, when I came here, we could celebrate some things that were no. important to my culture. Okay. We celebrate my children's birthdays and the Satan Day. <laughs> the other thing to note about this is because it's a children's cartoon in the 80s, the animation is horrifyingly cheap with a lot of re- repeated backgrounds, repeated motions. That was the thing about filmation, too, that people yeah. talked about, as opposed to like Disney, which took laborious years to come up with things. Filmation was kind of like a Ford plant. It was real assembly line. Let's recycle some cells. It let's is. flip some things over. Like let's churn these things out as quickly as we can. For example, while they are panning across the room, they show Shira's boyfriend, Bo is helping out with the decorations and his help is contained to a single poster board where he is vigorously drawing <laughs> one line over and over and over again. And it's like they put him on this because he's terrible at things. They're like, uh-oh, Bo, this one line is real important. Somebody needs good. to go draw a line over there. Can Bo, you do that, Bo? Can you I, handle that? I think that? Bo's the only one who can do this. Hey, why don't we all clap for Bo? Yeah, because otherwise he's going to write a song, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> Folks, we're still in scene one of a million scenes. <laughs> So, okay, let's let's go from this. We've just, we'll never get out of here because all we're doing right now is describing the characters, which as Miles pointed out, there are 125 right. of them and a hundred of them are in this room. We gotta be smart about so, this episode. We just gotta get out of here. Uh, so out in the snow, outside. We, we click from this royal palace where people are putting up rudimentary decorations with magic to He-Man and Man-at-Arms building a fucking rocket. <laughs> yep. Man-at-Arms is kind of the cue of... This is universe? That, yeah. I, I have a different description. We'll get into it later. He's got a laboratory. <sighs> He's a scientist. He's pronouncing it laboratory, too. Um, they're, they're making a rocket that's like a spy bot to keep an eye on Skeletor's every move. Now, Skeletor is the nemesis yes. of He-Man. Shira has her own nemesis. And, of course, he will show up, too, in this episode His because name is Hordak. Mar- Hordak. So Skeletor is He-Man's nemesis. And so this is like, they call it the Sky Spy. This rocket is going to keep an eye on him. Which makes it sound like a satellite, but there's a cockpit. So I don't get it. Also, it's very much too big to be keeping an unseen eye on anything. It's very large. So then Orko. The sky, obvious. (laughs) Orko is watching them unseen. Orko is his official job title. The Royal Buffoon. Oh. And he is trollian. He is a troll. He levitates instead of walks. That's why he yeah. appears to be flying. You can't see his face because in troll culture, showing your face is very intimate. It's like kissing. So they keep their faces hidden at all times. What until the fuck, This man? is all stuff I found out while trying to figure out what the hell his name was because they didn't Orko. say it until 20 <laughs> minutes <laughs> into the, the thing. So I'm, just so I'm just Googling shit, trying to figure out who he <laughs> You're is. You're learning his old backstory? <laughs> like learning all this stuff. Oh, it's rough. And then I wrote, no one is wearing a coat and no one is shivering. So on this planet, you can just walk around with no pants uh, you got, in the you snow. Got, yeah, your coat's called muscles. <laughs> a coat called muscles. A coat called muscles. It's like a cowboy story you don't want to read. 
I feel like um, I just did. I feel like that's the end of it. It's just so, it's just a title. Orko stows away aboard this ship because he wants to play. Yeah, uh, he just gets in there and starts pretending to drive it. He's yeah. not trying to like do anything. And then he breaks a handle, like a throttle. It's like the throttle. He doesn't actually push it one way or the other. He breaks it in half, which causes this rocket ship to start and launch. Right. Also, Orko is magical. He's a troll. He. I mean, everyone kind of has magical powers. But he is constantly doing the wrong thing, like mm. spilling a glass of water he's trying to hand to someone, like yeah, his magical mishaps. He's the royal buffoon, exactly. Yeah. So he, he gets in there, he's just trying to pretend to drive it around, and then ends up launching it. He also drops his spell book on his way into the rocket. He, uh, to get the handle open, he has to drop his big spell book. Yeah, his, uh, his spells seem to take the form of 14-year-old almost rhyming poetry. <laughs> so now the rocket isn't going into space with Orko inside, and I wrote, Big trouble! Now it's Space Christmas Birthday! Was it always? We are Space Christmas Birthday! <laughs> a David Bowie cover band who only sings Happy Birthday! And Under Pressure. Under Pressure! And that version of Little Drummer Boy. Yes! <laughs> Peace on Earth! Can, Can it, it be? be? <laughs> I just wrote this a moment ago. Look it up. Bing Crosby, David Bowie. Just type that into Google <laughs> so and enjoy. It's and a if classic. You, if you want, you can skip right to John C. Riley and and <laughs> Will um Will Will Ferrell Will Ferrell and John C. Riley do that whole thing themselves. They do a sketch where they're just doing that. <laughs> it's amazing and it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> I want to point so, out one thing real quick because we're about to get into the episode proper. That's right. That was all the cold open. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Prince Adam. Yeah, let's talk about him. Yeah, so it's a, clearly it's a secret from somebody or another oh, that he's He-Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Continue. I feel like you're too exasperated for not <laughs> no, even having I've gone made into the, the episode. Same note. So it's he's a secret from somebody, but then he changes into He-Man in front of everybody. There's no one in this episode who doesn't know he's He-Man. Also, he he's a gigantic muscle-bound dude with the same blonde shit haircut <laughs> as a four-year-old boy. As a four-year-old boy <laughs> yes. with mean parents. <laughs> yes, and it's so disconcerting. His body is like a roided out twenty-something. Yeah. I mean, they based him on Arnold Schwarzenegger sure. in the um, what's it called? Um, Conan the Barbarian. No, but also oh, pressing, lifting. His name of his pumping iron. Pumping iron. This they this is who they based him on, like a triangle-shaped. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Conan yes. the Barbarian, and he's got the page boy haircut yeah. of like a four-year-old choir boy. Yeah. It's so disconcerting like to me. Like even page boys would be like, hey, cool it. Tone it down. <laughs> yeah. But here's I... how he disguises himself because obviously he puts on a different outfit. No, but... no, no. He wears fewer clothes <laughs> when he disguises himself. It's, it's an inverse fewer... property of disguise. It's kind of weird. But here's the other thing that he does. He, he raises the, the tone of his voice up uh-huh. a half an octave. And starts so, making a lot of puns. I'm He-Man. I'm Prince Adam. <laughs> what? No, it's still me, people. <laughs> I'm the same person. I said both of those things. I know you were confused and yes. thought a whole separate person came in. In looking up Orko's whole deal, one of the things they said was, Orko knows Prince Adam's secret identity. And I was like, does not everyone? Yeah. They're changing into their she and both and Shira are changing into their superhero forms all the time in front of everybody. And, and they're constantly being like, hey, someone should go 
can you tell he he man to go handle this and then like I'll wink make, wink i'll oh. make sure that he man gets the and it's note like everybody fucking knows just, everybody knows what are we doing maybe we're trying to keep this a secret from skeletor or something or mom but and like dad but he's no, not they know mom and dad have got I, to know I just who what are we doing are they keeping it a secret but from our parents trying to keep it from skeletor oh, then who cares then stop doing this winking at the camera bullshit just be fucking he man all the time <laughs> Wait, would people like to respect you if you're not Prince Adam? Hey, no, where's Prince no. Adam? He's prancing around in a loincloth and like cross suspenders. No, he doesn't people aren't get any bigger him. when he turns into He-Man. It's true. He's he just, still enormous. Just puts on a furry. He just takes off the clothes that are barely containing his muscles. When and he pulls out a Adam. fucking sword, <laughs> huge sword. Okay, Clark Kent fucking is a genius of disguise <laughs> compared to this. All right, so the credits happen with Orko flying around in space. Yep, sure. It's a Christmas special. Hooray! Um, and then we get into Act One. So, Skeletor, who again is a muscular skeleton man with wait, no wait, wait. visible support. What's up? Let's talk about Skeletor. Skeletor has a skull for a head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of his body is, is not a skeleton. He's got muscles, he's got skin, he's got fat, he's got flesh. Like, uh-huh. he's not a skeleton man. He is a jacked up body We're gonna find with a out skull on it. Because of an animation error later on in which they accidentally paint his. Uh, underwear the same color as his skin we get to see his taut muscular ass <laughs> only hidden by a few straps of leather at one yes. point which I found inappropriate see, and, and I'll be honest awaken something in me <laughs> you can either be a skeleton or you can have an 8 pack yeah. you can't have both yeah but, but then again, Thundercats had Mumra, who was a fucking mummy. We're not talking about Thundercats right now. We have enough to deal with. I'm just trying to set we precedent. We have Battle Cats. We haven't even gotten into fucking Battle Cats. Uh, no. Okay, so Skeletor is flying along in his spaceship called the Collector, and he sees this guy spy, and he wants it. And his pilot is named Too Bad, which is conjoined twin monsters who argue all the time. Hate each other. And so why not put them in charge of flying a plane? I also put, something tells me this spy rocket wouldn't have been a huge success in the spy op department because he immediately spots it and sees it and is like, let's go after that. So it wouldn't have been a very good spy rocket anyway. Okay. So the next note that I have is, meanwhile at ground control. (laughs) Right, yes. So here's my impression of... Me every minute of this episode. <laughs> okay? Because, <laughs> like, meanwhile, like, ground control. Okay? <laughs> Me every minute of this episode is, pause, look up. <laughs> oh. Who are these people? Why are they here? What are the rules? Oh. What's going on? What planet I, are we on? I looked up. I was amazed at how well it I... It took I, me so long to watch this. Oh, yeah, me too. I've watched this thing a bunch of times, <laughs> and I'm just... I feel confident that I got all the settings correctly. Don't look at that. That's <laughs> Don't look at the clock. That's worthless. It's a Christmas episode. Just put it in whole cloth. Fuck it. It's 30 minutes and we're on Act 1, Scene 1. There's no way to do this. No! We don't have time! I have to be up at 7 o'clock tomorrow! The only way out is through! Born away is the bluebird Here to stay is the new bird He sings a love song as we go on Okay, so meanwhile at ground control, okay? Uh, He-Man, Man-at-Arms, and She-Ra monitor the action 
And then Prince Adam turns into He-Man in front of everybody, which we've already gone over. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He-Man then gets on a sky go-kart that looks a little bit like a dragon, but is also a bobsled. Right. But wait, let's talk about how he transforms into He-Man. Oh, sure. You've never seen this. Yeah. So Skull Castle is where they all live, right? No. No. No, What's nobody Grayskull? lives in Grayskull. What the fuck is I it? had to look this one up. So Grayskull is a castle. Grayskull is where you keep your action figures. That's what I know. Well, yeah, you can buy that Grayskull. Grayskull opens up to set. hold eight action figures. Uh, Skeletor does not live in Grayskull Castle. The uh, Prince Adam and everybody lives at the Royal Palace of Eternia. Okay. Sorceress lives at Grayskull. Okay. So Grayskull is apparently a place of power, but yes, because that's where the magic of their world comes from. If right, I'm because Skeletor has half of the sword, and He-Man has the other half of the sword. When you put them together, they unlock Castle Grayskull. Uh. And Skeletor really wants to know what's inside there, and oh. it, He-Man kind of, kind of does. Um, maybe he doesn't seem to be going after the other half of the sword the way Skeletor is. Yeah, he doesn't seem concerned with it. Anyway, Adam's got this sword, and he raises it and says, By the power of Grayskull. Are you trying to tell me that this cartoon that was offhandedly mentioned in a a business meeting... Doesn't hang together? Isn't hanging together? No, uh, I'm not trying to cast aspersions in that (laughs) way. I'm just saying maybe we could investigate it uh, as we're doing now. He-Man pulls out his sword... And he says, by the power of Grayskull. And there's all of this uh, lightning yep. and thunder crashes. All his clothes fly off. He <laughs> says, I am the power. And then suddenly he's He-Man. Yeah. And the, then then he runs goofily away and gets on a dragon bobsled <laughs> and shoots into space. Folks, it's like it's like TV took LSD and was like, here's what I'm seeing, man. They'll go with it. Uh, and then Adora, his sister who is there in, also at Mission Control, says, uh, I think my brother may need help. And she runs away uh, off screen. Right. So... They get to the collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, he man. That's the most serial killer name for a spaceship, the by the way. Sure, it's, its full name is Johnny Ray Collector. <laughs> um, so they go up to stop the collector from getting the sky spy, and they don't know that Orko's on there yet. The collector's trying to grab the sky spy with its claws. Yes. And He Man grabs the claws and cuts them off with his sword. And says, now those claws are just paws. There's so many puns. Yeah, so much. It's... And he's like, looks like this shit needs a manicure on his yeah. way up there. I mean, there's a lot of that. He doesn't do that when he's Prince Adam. That seems to be specifically <laughs> the domain of He-Man is making these horrible plays on words. <laughs> That's um, the power that he gets. <laughs> so he is, he does a good job of disarming the ship, but then the ship catches him with some like power rubber bands. They are power belts. Power Force belts. belts, excuse Force me. Belts. So, and he says it like it's a thing we should all know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, oh, force no, belts. Force belts. So he's caught, but then She-Ra shows up and cuts him free of the force belts. And together, the super sibs punch a super hole in the side of the ship. Yeah. Ha-ha. That's their thing, is they beat up the ship. Yeah, they're like, punch. <laughs> uh, so Orca, Orco, meanwhile, <laughs> is on the, the Sky Spy, and he's like, oh, I'm in trouble. Better use some poorly constructed magic poem. Right. And he says, like, take me someplace safe. Right. And it's... The the guy spy spins off into space. I wrote, 
I'm sure he's headed to Earth to learn the true meaning of Christmas. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's the only place. We're in a Christmas special where they don't celebrate Christmas. We've got to yeah. get to Earth at some point. Um, and no one knows he's on the rocket. And He-Man and She-Ra lose the rocket when it jumps to warp speed. And then they're like, well, I guess we lost that. Not knowing Orko's on it. So. And Skeletor is disgusted by his cohort's defeat. Right. So he hands one of them a parachute and then ejects all of them to their death. <laughs> right. And they have one parachute between them, but they somehow all survive. It's fine. Folks, uh, I just want to remind you, that was Act 1, Scene 1. <laughs> we've, <laughs> right. gotten, we've gotten total two it's scenes so done. It's so plot heavy. The plot it's, makes no sense, it's as but it's dense, so dense. It's dense in every possible way. <laughs> so we're in space now, and He-Man and She-Ra <laughs> are flying after the Sky Spy, because okay. And then Orca says, I, I never should have gotten into this thing, and nobody even knows I'm here. Yep. He's been teleported to some other place. Yeah, he crash lands in the snowy mountains of a place that I wrote, I'm assuming this is Finland. Um, and then I wrote... Oh, I wrote the Sierras. We're not in Eternia anymore. <laughs> nice. Because now he's cold. Now he's like, oh, it's freezing. It's like, you've been buried up to your neck in snow this whole time, but somehow yeah. you're not cold on Eternia. Earth cold is just Earth colder. Cold. Yeah. Uh, the atmospheres must be different. Mm-hmm. We're back at ground control, Man-at-Arm says he will use his finder beam to find the sky spy. Good. And at this point, I'm Glad like... Glad we installed that. Man-at-Arms is like a shitty kid playing war, <laughs> where he's just making up shit. No, no, I have an anti-bullet shield. Uh-uh. <laughs> Infinity I, powers. I have a finder beam, so I found it. <laughs> That's that's Man at Arms character is that kid all grown up. Right. And it's like, it's like okay. no, I did a thing for that already. Okay, thanks, Man at Arms. You <laughs> totally won this round. Just um, ignore him. Two blonde back on uh, Earth in I'm guessing Finland. Two blonde <laughs> children, one named Miguel, and I wrote, so not Finland, I guess. <laughs> are playing <South> in the <laughs> are playing in the snow directly in the path of an avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First of all, we want to note that the, the plane gently crashes into the mountains. <laughs> yes. Wafts down. Well, he did cast a spell. It wouldn't he said put me down safely. Oh, uh, that's fair. But then so, he gently flies out of the cockpit and lands in some snow. Um Orko sees the kids are about to get hit by this avalanche and he casts a spell and he saves them. He like levitates them and their sled, which has a huge Christmas tree on it. Right. Um, and his magic usually backfires. So this is going great for him right now. Maybe he should stay on earth. I guess so. Things Maybe that's the thing. Well for him but here. then the whole thing falls apart when one of the kids is like, how are you doing this? He's like, and freaks out. <laughs> he's like, don't talk about it. <laughs> don't, don't, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I can't do magic while you look at me. Look away. Uh, it's the 80s. So these children under the age of 10 have been sent out with absolutely no supervision to bring home a 200-pound Christmas tree. mountains. <laughs> to the mountains where there could be an avalanche. Or a Yeti. Or a fucking wizard <laughs> from a royal goofball from another planet. So, of course, they've lo- they've lo- gotten lost, right? They have, yeah. They're like, we managed to get this huge tree that's bigger than both of us stacked together on this sled. <laughs> but basic directions. <laughs> that's not us. But now we're lost as shit. We forgot how to follow our tracks back. And Orko's like, you're not lost, you found me. That's not how that works. That's <laughs> not how lost works. You're dumbass. So he fights him back on the Sky Spy to warm up. Which is like a solid move. At least it's warm in there. Yeah, man. And then I wrote in all caps, the special world is Earth. <laughs> So, <laughs> like planet exactly. the special the world was Earth all along. So it's it's we now we've crossed the first threshold. Whose journey we're on, well, we won't know till much later. Cool. So, um, but we we're in mention. the special world, which is Earth. 
So somebody comes in and says, hey, Orko's of uh, the queen. The queen comes in and says, Orko's missing. And I found this magic book near Launchpad. And Prince Adam, the greatest detective in all Eternia, <laughs> says, I guess Orko is probably on that ship, huh? <laughs> and now it's a big fucking emergency. <laughs> so back in the Sky Spy, again, we are just like back and forth, like fucking... Like the racket ball, like two on speed Carltons playing ping pong. I feel like I need to follow up what I just said with the special world is Earth for now. For now. For now. We'll get back into it. It won't stay that way. We'll get back into the ordinary world, which becomes special, which is a special world for us. Yeah, and then we actually meet our true hero who we haven't even begun the journey with yet. Awesome. I can't wait to shoot myself in the fucking head. (laughs) Uh, So Orko is on the Sky Spy with the kids and. He they they're talking about Christmas and yeah. Orko doesn't know what that is. What's Christmas? So these Earth kids immediately push their religion on him. Well, first the first thing that happens is the girl whose name turned out to be Alicia is like everyone knows what Christmas is. You get lots of presents. Yeah, and presents, Miguel presents, is like, presents. Hold tight, dummy. <laughs> there's, there's more to it than that. Miguel's like, no, it's about peace and goodwill toward men. That's what the angel said. And Miguel is trying to soften this with some sort of. Uh, religiosity, but his sister is just like straight up presents, Orko. Yeah. Let me tell you about presents. It's um, almost like the show was written by people who were trying to sell Christmas presents. Almost. I will say that this is definitely a Christmas Christmas special. Well, Miguel ends with his little spiel with, that's what the angel said, and I wrote, good luck explaining angels to a trolley and eternian immigrant, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even see his face, dummy. <laughs> Orko uh, is justifiably confused. <laughs> So we go back to ground control, which is now normal for me to say. Ground control on Eternia, (laughs) where they figure out that Orko is on Earth. Mm -hmm. And the queen says, I guess that means he's lost forever because nobody can get back to Earth. And that's when Man at Arms is like, nah, man, I'll just send a transporter beam there. And she's like, I could have been going to see my family this whole time. I just wanted, (laughs) I wanted there to be just a shot of her for like a solid silent minute while her whole world crumbles down. My husband's been telling me for decades I couldn't go back to Earth. I couldn't see my parents. All you gotta do is get a crystal, flip on the switch. (laughs) Right. My old marriage is a lie. So... Man at Arms needs a water crystal, but there's no water crystals on Eternia. No, of course but there Adora says there's water on Etheria, so maybe there might be the water crystal on Etheria. And at this point, I'm thinking that the storyboard <laughs> is just 100 billion <laughs> index cards spread out all over with red strings tied together like somebody trying to look for a fucking Zodiac killer. <laughs> it's a very Zodiac Christmas. <laughs> Where is that special? He's going to find you in your car while you're making out and give you a gift. He knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He's writing a letter to you. <laughs> Luckily... Huh. Uh, Shira has a friend who is a mermaid. Mermista. Mermista, back on Etheria. And so she, for the honor of Grey Skulls, and transforms into Shira. And I wrote here, who knows their secret identities and who doesn't? I can't yeah. keep up with this. Like Because the queen's right there, yeah. so it's not anybody. And and contrary to I'm Adam, right the Adam He-Man <laughs> inverse clothing property of disguise, yeah. uh, she puts on more clothes when yeah. she transforms. She's a, a tight leotard up until she's like, ah, oh, put on a dress. Yeah, a dress and like a headgear and a cape. 
so, we go back yeah. to the Sky Spy where the kids are finishing their story of Jesus' birth and Miguel is ending the story with, then some wise men came along, which is not the way you end that story <laughs> no, not ever. At all. They have, but they have gone all in. They've gone wise men, Bethlehem, Santa, reindeer, jingle bells. Oh, they're gonna, though they've done the Jesus story, and then Orko's like, but what about them presents? And they're like, oh, we better tell them about Santa Claus. And I guess Miguel's probably gonna end this story with, and also he has a wife named Mrs. Claus. <laughs> right, it's such a weird thing, and also, like, that actually should make a good transition of the wise men brought gifts. So we give get no, but no, no. I mean, they are kids, but whatever. So we don't, we don't have time to think <laughs> each one of these scenes through. We barely <laughs> have time to talk about them. So Shira, <sighs> Shira's on Etheria now, and Etheria seems to me. Oh no, we can't skip over this part. What? I'm sorry. Go for it. Uh, Shira is about to leave Eternia to go to Etheria, yeah. and Adora tells Adam that. She has to go by herself. Right. And Adam tells her to be careful and gives her a hug. Mm-hmm. And immediately when that happens, I am aware of a subsection of the internet that has put these two together. And all I had to do was type in Adam Adora fan fiction. And goddamn if I didn't get 100 million results. <gasps> One of which was a story called For the Honor of Love by September Girl 84. And I'll read you an excerpt no, now. No, Yep, sorry, no, if I know it, you no, have to know it too. No. <clears throat> you are the same woman, Adora. You just had an addition to who you are, Adam soothed. Who you are now is someone that you can't change, but you can choose how you will continue. Something deep inside of her clicked, knowing that his words were true. She couldn't change the past, and she was the woman that she was now because of it. What? She sat up and took a deep breath. You're right, Adam. She pushed her hair back, shedding her past and embracing her future. No. That's my girl, Adam smiled. No hair does. His face lighting up <laughs> indulgently. His arms resumed their grip around her, wrapping securely around her. Adora arched an eyebrow coyly, smiling nearly as brilliantly. Girl? The arms flexed, purling her imperceptibly closer to his hard body. I have no. The heat changed, becoming more intense and hotter. Adam's what? eyes darkened. Hold on. Adam's eyes darkened and his jaw clenched. No, babe. You're all a woman. Adora blinked at the rough gravel sound in Adam's voice. No, it does not sound like that. And you're all mine. The heat blazed higher and Adora shivered. Adam, feeling her shiver, took advantage and claims her lips with his. I'm here. I'll show myself out. That's uh, that's from chapter 10 called Passion and Harpies, which is chapter 10 of 21. So that's just a little excerpt from one of the many uh, fan fiction stories. I mean, okay, here's my actual question about this universe. Okay. How did they meet? Was she a long-lost sibling? Because she came along after He-Man. And but they are twins. Yes, but they're twins. But did they think that she had been lost forever because she lived on a different planet? And Etheria seems to be much more dangerous than Eternia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a fucking wrecked world. Yeah. Like, everything went wrong on Etheria. Right. And in Eternia, everyone's just chilling all the time. No one seems to have any concerns. I mean, Skeletor does live there, and sometimes he interferes with stuff. But for the most part, everybody's just sort of like, yeah, let's decorate. Let's chill at this palace. And immediately on Etheria, it's like the wasteland. 
Yes. So, so Shira goes to ask her pal Mermista. Hold on, I've got your answer here. Oh, okay, tell me. Hordak, leader of the evil Horde, kidnapped Adora and escaped to Etheria, where Adora was raised as a mind-controlled force captain of the Horde. Adora's uniform, which she continued to wear throughout the series, even after defecting to the rebels, consisted of a red leotard with long white sleeves, red boots, and matching gauntlets. So she looked like Rainbow Bright. No, no, no. That like red, dark red thing that she's wearing is her old bad guy outfit. Weird. It's weird that you would keep that around. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, hey, Grandpa, I get it. Please stop wearing that Nazi <laughs> yeah, uniform. Yeah, you should burn that. Yeah. Maybe uh, inappropriate for Thanksgiving. No, they didn't have some good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see your Nazi plates. <laughs> so, Shira asks her pal, Mermista, Hey, do you know anything about a water crystal? Mm -hmm. And it turns out there is one, but it is guarded by the Beast Monster. And at this point... The laziest I, name yeah. in the history of names. But here's I was the like, thing. Definitely what you name a thing when your hero's name is He-Man. Well, also, they're... They're done with names. I think they've just run out of name ideas. Wait, like, you want to hear some terrible name ideas? Wait, yes, wait, I do. Please, 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 get you a microphone. Mic right yeah, there are some really, truly horrible names in this universe. Buzz Off... Oh, is that a bug? This is like a bumblebee. Yeah, sure. Grizzlor. It's like a grizzly bear. Merman. I mean, these guys were really digging deep. Stinkor. Yes, he truly smelled. I remember him. Yeah. Snout Sprout, who was an elephant. Oh, my God. He's in this one. Yes, he's in this one. Scout Snout Sprout. He's decorating the tree. He throws that fucking angel on top of the tree <laughs> yeah. later on, and it is upsetting because he's a he's a dude. He's a jacked up dude who has a metal elephant head with extending fucking uh, snout, and that's the way that goes. So the beast monster. The yeah. beast monster is guarding this water crystal. And a plan is hatched. Shira will keep the beast monster, which is like a giant sea serpent, busy while Mermista dives to the bottom of the pool to steal the water crystal. I have written down, Mermista will look for the water crystal while Shira keeps the beast monster busy. This is a sentence I've written now. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is up with my life? There is a very short fight sequence, and yeah. this plan is pulled off in like 15 seconds. The plan is, it chased me. Oh, you tripped and fell into a ditch. Yeah, and it's... The beast monster lives in a ruin that looks like an old human factory dam yeah. hydro plant situation. I mean, it looks like very human ruins. <laughs> like I was after I watched this. <laughs> I thought to myself, shouldn't the fight sequences be longer for action figures? Since the whole point is that you like make them fight in your own home. I mean, I'm, pro I'm sure they probably are. In normal episodes, but we've got a lot to do it's here. It's true. And this triggers a second fight sequence, which, which is just she gets the toys. water crystal, but then some sort of sensor has been set off or she's alerted. Somehow she's alerted. She has a, alerted three big purple robots to emerge from underground and confront her and her baritone horse, Swift Wind. <laughs> I wrote also Swifty can talk, I guess. Okay. Can talk with a very deep gravelly voice. No, it's me, Swifty. Um, and I wrote, who is the hero of this story? <laughs> we've, got, we've got lots of villains, lots of allies, lots of tests, but no clear hero or journey. Nobody's really. on a fucking journey here. No. Maybe you could say that Orca is. Maybe. Orco. Excuse me. Not the whale. No, I mean the whale from SeaWorld is on a journey. <laughs> Might as well be, because nobody in this fucking one is. So <laughs> this crevice opens up, and robots come out of 
the eternal abyss. Right. And it seems like they want the water crystal, but actually they don't. I they don't want the water crystal. They just are kind of alerted to her presence and that that can't stand, just the fact that she's on their planet. Yeah. And they are monstroids. Monstroids. Which but, are like Transformers. Oh, yeah. But not. They're robot-like abominations that can transform into vague vehicle-like abominations. And they're like max 20% different in their altered forms. And they're pretty weak-ass Transformers. Yeah. But then... Apparently there are Manchines, which is another thing sure. that told Shira about the, the monstroids. And I wrote, sounds like more toys to me. Yeah, it's a hundred it's a hundred percent more toys. They want to go back to their monstroid base where they have the Manchines kept prisoner, so they put She-Ra in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And Swiftwind. And Swiftwind. And she just turns her sword into fire and gets out of the bubble. She seems to have a better sword than Adam. Oh, or that sword's awesome. Sword can transform into form of she whatever. Form of this, form of that. Yeah. She, I don't know why I'm upset about that. <laughs> she cuts them out of their glass bubble and they fly off. Sword to flame is what she says. Yep. And they head back to Eternia. And they still have the water crystal because that's what, not what the Monstroids were no, after. So she still put her in that. a bubble and then go home. They were like, look, we're working on something. You seem like an, a variable we can't control. Let's yeah. just put you under glass until we figure out what to do with you. Sure. So then we go back to uh, Eternia Ground Control, where Man-at-Arms now has the crystal and mm-hmm. can activate the transport beam. And he hopes aloud that Orko remembers his instructions to stand in the light when he activates this beam. Mm-hmm. So Problem. We- Orko wasn't supposed to be on this. Are they gener- have they just generally given Orko instructions like if you ever see a glowing light materialize S- near stand you, stand in the light, just stand in it. Uh, maybe, maybe they were like, "Hey, we hate you so much. <laughs> if you ever die and there's a light, go towards, go towards it. it." So he's like, "I guess that'll probably work here." And we go back to the sky spy where the kids and Orko are singing Jingle Bells incorrectly. What are they singing? Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. My mind was fully numb by now. And sure enough, the transport beam appears, and Orko almost doesn't remember <laughs> to stand in the light. The only possible instruction there could possibly be, other than don't stand in the light. So I'm thinking Orko like borrows scissors. What did Man-at-Arms tell me about these scissors? Run or don't run with these scissors. Don't stab myself in the eye, or do stab myself in the eye. I got a 50% chance of being right. Just so pick one. Orko takes the kids, and they stand in the light, and then... Everything disappears. Yes. He, the children, the spaceship, the sled, the Christmas tree that was on the sled. Everything is immediately transported back to Eternia, which is only the first of many of instances in this episode of interdimensional holiday kidnapping. Oh, you're right. But also, why did he have to stand in the fucking light? Everything right. got transported. To complete some sort of circuit. Sure. All right, so everything appears, and the he gang is surprised to see two <laughs> human, game. two human children oh with Orko, and then we cut to a meteor in outer space. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, "Whomever employs Skeletor is pissed <laughs> <laughs> that a quote new spirit of goodness has landed on Eternia." So this is Horde Prime, Horde Prime, who is a robot that lives in a black cloud that has green lightning shooting all through it, but he doesn't come out of that green cloud except to smash his fist down when he's angry one time. Yeah. I have to go lay down now. Goodbye. <laughs> he employs apparently both Skeletor and Horvath. Hordak. Hordak. <laughs> and he says, I need you, Skeletor and Hordak, my two employees, 
to seek out and destroy this new spirit, which is the kids. Uh, this is some friendly workplace competition here. Whoever yeah. seeks out and destroys these <laughs> kids first gets a real bonus. Okay, so here's holiday m- bonus. My favorite moment. So Horde Prime says, "Whoever destroys the spirit of Christmas shall be rewarded." So you do that line, and I'll do Skeletor's uh, um, okay. uh, response. Yeah. Whoever destroys the spirit of Christmas shall be rewarded. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Skeletor! <laughs> oh, I smell a spinoff, and it does not smell good. Uh, all right, so then we're back in a fucking... Back on Etheria now, I guess? Yeah, yes. Okay, because um, Bo's there. That's the only reason that I'm thinking. Yes, and we're we're back on Etheria, where everybody's been transported, and Alicia is already worried about presents. Yeah, what the, the fuck, The very first Alicia? moment, she's like... She's like um, I'm sorry. I realize we've just been kidnapped and all of you are aliens. Will we be home in time for I, Santa? Yeah, I realize my there's big question. a whole other universe out here, but presents? Yeah, um, I just, I, I know that there's a question about whether we're going to get home at all. Mm-hmm. My sub-question is, are we going to be home in time for presents? Swap those. Yeah. My sub-question <laughs> is, will we get home at all? So Bo, uh, Shira's boyfriend, is playing the harp while Perfuma, who sounds like a crazy cat lady, is using magic to make things look like spring. She's just over-involved. Is it a, is it a harp or some sort of weird harp guitar? A guitar? <laughs> a guitar. Get on That's that, exactly 80s musicians. Where were you? Guitars. It's a guitar. And then... Well, well, so, but before we go outside, right? I don't know what order these things happen in. Queen Marlena... Alicia is like, can we get some presents up in here? And Queen Marlene is like, well, we don't celebrate Christmas here. And also, I've just found out that I could have been celebrating Christmas with my family this whole time. So so that's a bit of a sore subject. (laughs) Right. But tomorrow is the twins' birthday, and we were going to have a party. So let's combine the birthday celebration for the twins with a big Christmas party. And I was like, this girl is after toys, Queen. Just tell her she'll get some presents. I promise she'll shut right up. That's all she's after here. Also, the Queen is like, let's combine these two children birthday with the birth of Jesus and I'm like oh no it's what my church warned me about <laughs> she doesn't even make that connection though she doesn't go well Christmas is a birthday party so let's she's just but like you, you read know between what? the lines yeah it's, it is this satanic the, verse these are the people that we have warned you about <laughs> so Skeletor and Hordak are bickering then we go back to the garden in Eternia. We have a song break for the He-Man Christmas Carol, mm, as written by Bo. And that is when I check my watch. Yeah. And oh, like, my God. This is the first time. How many more minutes of this are there? I checked, like, I checked the year and tried to figure <laughs> out where my life had gone. So uh, I believe the song, we're not going to play this uh, because fuck this. You should never have to deal with it. Love and caring, tenderness. Something sharing, <laughs> peaceful bless. Like Christmas time is everywhere, eternity under the air. Love and caring, Christmas shit. <laughs> Christmas shit. I don't remember how it ends. Uh, that's it. That's the song, and uh, I sang it way better than they did. <laughs> Accompanied by Bo on the guitar. <laughs> So yeah, I'm surprised uh, we. I didn't look for it, but I'm surprised that we can't find all of the casingles of Bo's the Mormon Christmas Tabernacle bullshit. Choir covers. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want those kids who seem the creepy versions of modern day songs to do that. (laughs) The next thing that happens right after the song immediately is that Hordak shows up and with absolutely no problem at all, kidnaps Alicia, Miguel, and Orko. No sweat. Cool, cool, cool. More interdimensional holiday kidnapping. No one puts up a fight. Cut to Etheria. Yeah, they don't know where Hordak has taken them. By the way, Hordak flies in on a ship that is just a penis. <laughs> it's just a penis. It's not like, whoops, they didn't mean to. Nah, it's just a straight up dick. Nah. He's flying around in a straight up dick. Let's see, let's see how long we can get away with this. Hordak um, is flying around <laughs> in a straight up dick. And I don't think we should just brush past this point. Like you might accidentally brush past a dick. Nah. <laughs> Big metal dick. Andy, there's so much going on. I didn't even notice what his ship looked like. I didn't even notice. But they don't know where Hordak is going. So Bo is like, uh-oh, we should go check. With- uh-oh, I was babysitting. This is on me. <laughs> I was too busy writing hit songs. <laughs> Sorry about that. Because I'm, I'm more of an artist than a babysitter. <laughs> That's why you guys should take me seriously. But they decide they, they should check with Pika Blue to see right. if she can use her mental telepathy to find them. I realize this is just, this is like this, the structure of this isn't confusing. If you think of it just as their mission is to introduce She-Ra characters to sell those. Yeah. Like they have the He-Man figures. They want to boost the She-Ra empire. So they just have scenes where it's like, this person's helping with this. Then Mermista's helping with that. Perfuma's helping with this. But you've missed something because... they Mermista something? Well, you've Mermisted something. Because... Before they can go to Peekaboo, they have to get to a place so people Peekaboo can see that they're oh in that place. God, I want to shoot so myself in the fucking head. So they cut to a I'm going to Peekaboo my brains out. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear. So they go to Etheria. We cut to Etheria. Yeah. And the monstroids grab Hordak's ship out of the sky. Yeah, his penis ship. They grip his penis ship (laughs) and land it gently on the ground. I wrote, are all the bad guys not in cahoots on this planet? It's really every villain for himself out here. I'm just saying. Pretty lawless. If you understood a bit of cooperation here, I'm sure you would have gotten through all this. Yeah, all the good guys work together. They're doing great. Um, They punched a ship out of the sky earlier. They did. Hey, they... (laughs) With the power Jerking of off people's ships off the <laughs> They ain't confiscating dick ships. That's the difference between heroes and villains. Heroes punch holes in ships. Villains confiscate dick ships. <laughs> oh my god. We have to get through this somehow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nope. So the monster Wait, is. Let me finish talking. I'm tr- <laughs> no! Okay. okay, Hornak explains to the mind. <laughs> it just, I said something ridiculous and like, no, settle down. The monstroids. <laughs> Let's get back to the serious business. You're just shooing this nonsense for that nonsense. Okay, okay, okay. Hornak explains. To the monstroids that have captured his ship, that the prisoners are being delivered to Horde Prime, and the head monstroid says the prisoners have to be left here, and he scares the crap out of them, and so they leave. And now it has become clear that the monstroids plan to lure Horde Prime to them by having the kids and Orko 
in their dungeon. And then they're going to deal with him, which we have, I don't understand what Right, that there's means. some sort of beef that we have no previous information sure. about. Some but monstroid beef. Exactly. So. <laughs> Just my favorite turkey <laughs> treat. So, back on a... New from Slim Jim. <laughs> monstroid beef. Back on a... Theria, Peak Blue can tell yeah. through her psychic sight uh-huh. that the kids in Orko have been captured by the Monstroids in the Fright Zone, which I guess is oh, where we were before. Jesus the Fright Christ. Zone, which sounds like a familiar place for me to spend Christmas, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so she's like, go over there. By the way, these Monstroids have, have kidnapped the Mansheens, at which point... When I'm taking notes on my computer, my autocorrect just <laughs> literally packs a bindle and leaves. It's like, are you going to keep typing monstroids? Man, Sheens, fuck this. Keep your Hordax and Pika Blues. I don't care anymore. Etheria, Eternia? Mermistroff. Mermist. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, yeah, so the Mansheens are also imprisoned, but the Mansheens have somehow gotten gotten it together enough to free themselves and then go try to free the kids and Orko. And apparently, since the Monstroids are their enemies, they know every move they make. Shrug. I don't know. They're but like, were the Monstroids coming. were buried underground earlier. How did they kidnap these guys to put them in? Also, what has been... They've just escaped and they're like hanging around prison just in case. Right. I don't also, know. then Cutter, <laughs> Cutter is who's the one who can cut things. Right. Cutter clearly the is real how they beast got monster out. Of well, the... He's how they got out clearly because he just slices yeah. with his little hand cutters yeah. right through the bars. So clearly they put all the manchines in jail and then Cutter was like, give me five minutes. <laughs> and five minutes. <laughs> and they're all out to free I'm everyone. sleep for four minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds. So then, man, then Cutter calls his cousin, whose name is Zipper. Yeah, Zipper is basically a sentient bird scooter who, who shows sounds up. Sounds like a drunk, high pitched Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh man, it's tough, but I'm going to try to do this. <coughs> Hello, everybody. That's Will Zipper. That was a pretty good one. Thanks, man. Um, it does. It sounds like Bill Cosby. Just like a, a little underwater. Down a little bit. Um. But. So Zipper shows up. They all hop on his back. And he scoots away, but he's not fast enough, and so they all get caught. But luckily, he man and Shira are here by this point. And Take I wrote, breath. "Take a breath, man. I wrote, Take a breath." Is time travel between these two planets like ten minutes? It it's must so, be. As soon as someone gets an idea that they want to go to Etheria, they're there. And then Etheria to the by fright the end zone. Of the sentence, Here's yeah. what: you just take the 405 to the fright zone. <laughs> But if it's busy on the 405, you can take the 101. Right. You just want to definitely get off on a, the Etheria exit well, and take Sepulveda not the straight Eternia up. Exit. Nobody knows about it, but you can take Sepulveda right. straight up Ticked beside down. the 405. No, it's always clear. Yeah. Who's mm. going to validate this parking on Etheria <laughs> <laughs> when you get there? Oh, Jesus. Uh, and I wrote three words because I was just, I had taken so many notes by this point. I was like, fights, puns, swords. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. He Man and She Ra fight these poorly designed bulky pink robots and do great. Orko takes the kids to hide because yeah. shit's getting real. Yep. And then there's a solid 20-30 seconds of fighting set to music. <laughs> the super siblings and the manchines take all take down all the monstroids by like some of them get tripped. You know, it's, it's a lot of tripping. It's a it's lot tripping of and like throwing. it's a lot of like well, we could short circuit them with like water beams or something, but you know what's actually funnier is they fall over their own feet. Yeah. At the end of all this, our reward is a manchine puppy. Yeah. 
by the way. Which is super cute and will be very important later. Very, very important. This puppy saves the goddamn uh-huh. day. The machines have beaten the monstroids. That's a sentence now. Yep. It, but Skeletor swoops in and grabs the kids by shooting a beam out of his ram staff. Yep. He, everyone's distracted by all the fighting and Skeletor just walks right in, grabs the kids. And I, I wrote, also want to quickly note, this is not an advertisement for Ramstaff, the bar down in Silver Lake. <laughs> that is, all the, windows are, all the windows are blacked out, you know what I'm saying? Wait, I wrote, Christmas? Anything about it? No? Oh. Cool, proceed. <laughs> and now Hordak is here to re-kidnap the kids he rightfully pre-kidnapped a while back. And Hordak shoots Skeletor's <laughs> man-sled. Uh, right. I wrote, I cannot keep up with this or care about this anymore. It's true. And there are 13 minutes left. Yep. Hordak shoots down Skeletor, uh, who crashes into the mountains, for which these kids should be like, yep, this is their life now. <laughs> They're like, okay, this is the point at which the hero's journey begins. What? This is the point. You gonna, Are you going to tell me that Skeletor is, is the, the hero, hero of the He-Man Christmas special? Now, then, Chelsea, it's time to drop on you a devastating fact. That makes Shakespeare look like bullshit McGee, <laughs> the worst writer in the world. Do you know who Skeletor is? Uh, is he someone's cousin? I'm sorry. Father? He's King Randor's brother. Of course, yep. Which that means that sense. he's He-Man's uncle. Yep, yep. That makes total it's sense. It's pretty much Macbeth. I'm sorry, the other one. It's Hamlet? pretty much Hamlet yeah. Macbeth. Yeah, okay. No, I'm buying that because Skeletor... Uh, you're not shocked. No. All right. What would shock me at this point? The beast is called the Beast Monster. <laughs> is there is there an obvious familiar relationship we can How are we going to let these kids know this is a dude? Well, call him he something. Yeah, he he boy? Sounds too young. He, <laughs> he, he old guy? Too old. Uh, no, you got to find a middle ground there, he, Lenny. He guy? Too casual. Hey, it doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to argue on a documentary about toys in 30 years that I came up with it. So fuck you. Oh my God, right. So... Skeletor and the kids and the puppy yeah. have all crash landed in the snow. And the kids <laughs> are yes. mad because Skeletor keeps yelling at them. Yes. To like, Skeletor. <laughs> Skeletor's Skeletor. like, come on, we got to get out of here. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. And they're like, you should be nicer. It's Christmas. It's the season of caring. Maybe you tone it down. Maybe be nice to us. We didn't sign up for any of this. He is treating them like a shitty mom at Walmart. <laughs> You're going to get moving now. We want jackets. Fuck your jackets. Yeah, they're freezing. So now somehow this is the level of coldness of things. So Etheria, deep snow, not cold. Not cold. Earth, deep snow, but the jackets they had on were fine. Fine. Etheria, deep snow, they are freezing to death from the moment they land. Yeah. And Alicia, in fact, passes out in the snow from cold and lack of presence. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that's not in the order of importance. Yes. So Skeletor is like, bah, fine, and gives them uh, incredibly dope jackets. Yeah. He like materializes big puffy fur lined coats for them. But he said, come on. And they're like, what about the dog? He's like, leave that dog to die in the snow. And the dog in the background is like, <laughs> and, and they start fucking walking away. And I'm like, God damn, Skeletor. <laughs> I, know. I almost respected him as an evil being. <laughs> After he gives them coats, they're like, you're so kind. They're so grateful. Like, and that pisses him off to no end. He's just like, I'm not. I'm not nice. And then the puppy is crying pitifully. 
And even Skeletor can't stand it and goes back to pick up and carry the puppy himself. Right. And this is where he's walking away and the animators have made a mistake. So it looks like his taut butt is hidden by a couple (laughs) leather straps as he's walking next to a couple of children carrying a tiny robot dog. Yeah. Great. That's hitting somebody's sweet spot Christmas. out in this world. <laughs> Somebody has that like on Merry a Christmas loop. to you, Floyd. Somebody's made a gif of that and just watches <laughs> it every day. Um, and he says, I don't know what's coming over me, but whatever it is, I don't like it. Yes. So here we are. Skeletor is on his hero's journey. Oh my God. His Christmas hero's journey. He's setting off. He's in a special world where he's given kids coats and picked up a puppy. <laughs> And they go marching off through the snow, Skeletor pretending that he doesn't love this dog that keeps licking his skull. I better carry him. It'll be faster that way. Right. And the little girl's like, I'll hold the dog. And he's like, no, I got it. I got the dog. (laughs) It's fine. My dog. Um, I mean, fine. Which is exactly what I would do. So I get it. Sure. Then Miguel starts telling Skeletor about Christmas. Yeah. He says, it's a great time of the year when everyone has fun. And Skeletor goes. (laughs) You mean they get in fights? (laughs) Which made me laugh really hard. And and I wrote. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is fight season, and it seems to start earlier and earlier every year. And my favorite is the follow-up. Brigel's like, no, they have fun. And he goes, fights are fun. <laughs> I like, like fights. That sounds like my Christmas most years. Yeah, it's it's really close to home. And then they're attacked, of course. By a snow beast By again. a snow beast, because why would you call it anything we, else? We gave the namers <laughs> like the Christmas off. It's it's a huge polar bear with amazing pecs. <laughs> Skeletor makes... Short fucking work of this thing. He does. He dispatches it in 10 seconds without ever putting down the puppy. Yeah. And the kids fucking love him now. Yeah. And he smiles. Skeletor is having a full on Scrooge slash Grinch transformation. Truly. He, he is he the sm- hero. He smiles. We've he, all been needing. Which he never does, I'm assuming, in the rest of the series. He genuinely smiles. Yeah. And it's real cute. Yeah. Like Skeletor looks adorable for a second or two. And then he gets all murdered. And he's like, I remember yeah. now. I'm horrible. And the kids are like, we love you. You take care of us. You're so nice. You're so nice. We just keep getting kidnapped. You're the first person that seems able to defend us from anything. We love you. And We barely had to explain Christmas to you, and you seem to have gotten it. Right. And he's he says... Mom, I'm still delivering you to Horde Prime. Shut up. I'm not a nice guy. Your mom's a nice guy. And... <laughs> And now we are approaching the inmost cave. Jesus, fuck. It's all happening in the last 10 minutes of yeah. this hour-long special. She-Ra, He-Man, one horse, one troll arrive. Then Hordak shows up with a bunch of reinforcements on space scooters. Also, Horde fighting. Prime has shown up. In a big Horde Prime jet? And everyone is demanding the kids. Yeah. If this isn't an inmost cave, I don't know what is. I don't either. And I wrote, if my theory is correct, Skeletor will do something in this moment to save the kids and prove himself the hero. What? And you now are we'll as correct climax. as Skeletor is a fleshy <laughs> skeleton. <laughs> the supreme ordeal. Now we have the climax. Everyone that we've met except for the king and queen is here yep. to try to kidnap king these kids. King still consoling the queen saying, I didn't know, baby. I really, I, I could have said you back to the I first time I heard about a man. water crystal. If you want to be mad at someone, blame men at arms. Yeah. Also blame water. Oh. <laughs> we on. don't even have them on this planet. How was I going to know? Have another drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Hordak blasts. Skeletor. Sure. Skeletor falls. The puppy never leaves his side. The puppy is licking his skull. Yeah, and it's weird because he's passed out, but he doesn't have any eyes to close. Right. So it just looks like he's staring uh, off into yeah. space, kind of. He's passed out in the snow. The puppy is, like, very concerned, doesn't mm. leave his side. Horde Prime uses his master plan, which is to pick up the kids with a giant mechanical claw. Right. And I guess this is actually result the result of the machinations of the monstroids. 
the fact that Horde Prime is here because they were luring Horde Prime to their planet right. to get so the fright zone. The fright zone. Skeletor, surprising everyone, most of all himself, shoots Horde Prime's ship just as he's about to grab the kids and saves the kids. And, and he is the, the hero. And if he attributes his transformation to the spirit of Christmas, I'll have to counter that the dog is at least equally responsible, <laughs> if not more so, because it really seems like the dog is what I has turned Skeletor around. truly is our greatest ally. Yeah. Skeletor shoots down the ship and it lands, but Horde Prime is going to shoot everybody with a cannon. And then He-Man and She-Ra are like, hey... This is too special for just punching. Mm-hmm. Let's throw this fucking ship into space. Yeah, they throw it into space with their arms, and it, they say that takes care of him for a while. So we guess it'll be a while before Horde Prime regains controls of his the control of his spaceship. I guess so. Also, it's just, ah, through or, space. or drifts uh, until he gets to his personal meteor. I don't know. <laughs> right. So the kids and the dog run over and hug Skeletor. And he, he managed she were like, um, what? What now? What's Wait, happening? hold on. Get away from him. <laughs> What's happening now? He's um, only wearing leather straps. <laughs> Skeletor is having a real personal, seasonal personality crisis. It really is. He's so shook. He's like, I don't like to feel good. I like to feel evil. Like, it's all crumpling down around it him. Really is. And the kids are like, you're great. You're the best. And everyone else is like... I don't know how to feel in this moment about this it transformation. Is. Well, they settle on laughing at Skeletor, which is weird because I feel like they should be murdering Skeletor Or instead. no, taking this and being like, hey, now that you've realized you have some good inside you, maybe we can come to some sort of truce here? Uncle? And stop trying <laughs> to kill each other every freaking episode? Maybe. No, no, no. This will all be gone no, by the next in fact, episode. fucking She-Ra points it out. It's like, hey, don't worry, Skeletor. This only happens once a year. Right. So you can go back to being a shithead and we'll fight you and you'll right. just kill us all the and time. And then shitty things happen to Skeletor for the rest of the episode. So the reward and consequences is a party... Right? Yeah. They've they've won. They've beaten everybody because literally everybody was there to fight. They beat everybody. Yep. The reward is a party. It's the Christmas party, the Christmas slash birthday party. And all of the assembled action figures, I mean characters, are, <laughs> are gathered to celebrate. And Skeletor isn't invited. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. I was like, he's just like, thanks, Skeletor. Bye. I know there's a lot of bad blood, but I mean, it's Christmas, right? He can't catch an invite to one party. The only party that apparently happens all year long. Rude. To celebrate the birth of his niece and nephew. Right? Come on. And he saved the day. Like, they would not be having this party. Because the only reason they're combining it with Christmas is because Alicia wouldn't shut the fuck up about greed. Yeah. And although she seems satisfied now because the kids have been giving flying belts as their presents, so now that's great. Sure. And Man-at-Arms has figured out how to send them home in time to hang up their stockings, so they won't miss any Earth presents either. Yeah. G- congrats, Alicia. <laughs> Alicia's You're going to get all of real your, winner. your tiny black heart desires. <laughs> so Skeletor is the hero, but Alicia's the real winner here. Okay, so... Um, and then it becomes obvious because the puppy runs into the room. They didn't even let Skeletor keep the puppy. Yeah. Maybe, Damn. Yeah. You know what? I'm kind of on Skeletor's side at I this write, point. Kill wrote, these motherfuckers. Right? I wrote, Christmas is cold as fuck on Eternia. <laughs> <laughs> the kids go home and their parents are happy to see them, but not like real urgently worried about finding out where they've been all this no, time. No, it's like, oh, you baby, we're so worried. Go to bed. We'll talk about this in the morning. And the kids are like, we went to another planet and there were aliens and now we have flying belts. And the parents are like, yeah, 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 go to bed. And then, ha ha, flying belts, they activate them and fly past their parents right up the room, uh, right Again, up to their rooms. really should be concerned about where your children have been. 
fuck these flying belts be like, <laughs> who took you away? But it's a real, like, parents just don't understand. It truly is. I mean, these, Alicia's got the present of smugness this year. Right. And uh, there's a tag. Which well, first is... of all, everybody, like, Orko uh, says, oh, yes. to the fucking camera, camera, to our fucking faces. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone! Everyone! And that's how the spirit of Christmas first came to Eternia. Yeah, we get a tag then, where Adam is telling Orko uh, this story that he's been involved with. <laughs> that you were intimately involved with. And then Adam adds a little sort of inclusive tag. He says, yeah. not everyone celebrates Christmas, but the spirit of the Christmas season is within us all. Yeah. Not everybody celebrates Christmas, but that doesn't matter because Christmas is inside every one of those heathens. Whether you want it to be or not. Yeah, Christmas is your default setting. You can be some other crazy Fuck thing. happy holidays. <laughs> and then there's a sick synthesizer version of Bo's Christmas song. And yes. three days later, my neighbors complain about the smell. And then somebody <laughs> finds my suicided body. And that's how the spirit of Christmas oh came, to, came Eternia. to Eternia. Came to hugging and learning. Ugh. If you uh, want to know more about this, I don't know why you would. Run! <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, everything you could possibly want to know Which is on heman.org, the fan site where you have the power. It's he-man.org. Another thing you'll see if you watch that episode of The Toys That Made Us is that there is a huge, huge, huge He-Man fandom currently. There's just an enormous group of people that are super, super into this for nostalgia reasons. And they're not children. They're, you know, grown people. They've reissued a bunch of the figurines with, like, these very beautiful, sculpturally crafted versions and... There are comic books, and there are novels, and there are collectibles, and there are you know, conventions, and all of this kind of thing. And so if you are, now we have properly turned you on to the He-Man-verse, right. go to he-man.org and just, you know, say goodbye to all your friends, I guess. I was actually going to say everything you need to know about He-Man can be found on a blank piece of paper. <laughs> Everything you need to know. Thanks, anybody who's still listening at this point. (laughs) This was a hell of a fucking thing to get through. Uh, There were, I don't know, what was it? Maybe 500 scenes in this thing? (laughs) And 2,000 characters? I took as many notes as I took when we did the MacGyver episode. Oh my god. every five seconds I had to stop it and make a note because it's like a new character did a thing. Yeah. And And now now I have to go look up who that is. And now there's a new character who did a thing. Yes, yes. And one of them is Candyman. Um... (laughs) So let's let's try to end this uh, our lives. I mean, uh, so Chelsea, who did you want to hug? Skeletor. Me too. Because he, I mean, at least give him the puppy. That puppy fucking loves him. Then he can be like, by the power of Grayskull, I have this puppy. Yeah. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> uh, and what did you learn? Oh, nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at no, all. Nope. Nothing. I, I, you know what? I learned a little bit that. Um, Christmas spirits inside all of us. Christmas yeah. inside all of us, and uh, I feel like I was told that. And much like my my grandfather might have said, Skeletor has a good point. <laughs> if you don't know, I learned that if you don't know the words to Jingle Bells, you can just sing <laughs> the words over over Jingle over Bells again. over and over and over again. Yeah. That'll count. Also, uh, double check with everybody when your <laughs> husband says he can't get you back to Earth. <laughs> Just right. ask around ask a little bit. Ask the guy that runs Mission Control if yeah. that's really true. Hey, maybe before you have a couple kids. Right. Oh, you know what else I learned about? Guitarps. Guitarps, for sure. And Chelsea, yeah. which one of these 
character figurines would you have liked to have gotten for Christmas? Uh, I had a She-Ra figurine, and I would love to have another She-Ra figurine. There's one dude called Moss Man who is pretty cool. Sure. He's like a velvety moss-covered dude. But when I was a kid, uh, we stayed at a family friend's house, Mm -hmm. and their kid had He-Man with battle armor which meant if you like tapped him on the chest this little thing would spin around and they'd have like damaged uh, breastplates and things wow. like that and it was magical and against our lord jesus christ <laughs> both so i think i'd like one of those again my bow figurine had a little button on his back that you would push he had a he had that heart like yeah, bow has a heart it would light up and it would light up and also it would turn red so it was like his heart was beating weird yeah it was fun Let's just, hey, enemies, shoot here. I also thought he was He-Man, though, at the time. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> now I realize he's Bo. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for sticking with us, not only this entire year, but this entire episode. Looks like this episode has taken a year. Uh, yeah, we hope to have many more episodes and specials and good times in the new year, and we hope you'll join us then. It's been a fantastic 2018. We can't wait to see you back around the table in 2019. If you have any episode suggestions, Please. send them our way. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to them next year. And we will see you in 2019. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!